Max, get out of the way, as he shoved Max clear of the falling sack. But the sack landed squarely on the end of Charlie's tail. Charlie, are you all right? Max yelled as he pushed against the sack. It was too heavy and wouldn't budge. Ah, Max, help me. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. On today's episode, we'll hear Chapter 50 from The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud. And later in the podcast, we'll check in with the creator of this incredible story. And I mean the parts of the story that the maker himself didn't create. I mean, he is the ultimate creator, and, and so that... I need a little bit of help there, lad! Isn't it obvious? Uh, sure. So, here's your hosts, Max and Liz. Uh, bonjour, mes amis. And what Monsieur Announcer was trying to say is that uh, Miss Jenny Cody created our story around the original story created by the maker himself. Aye, the maker himself created everything around us then. And he gave Noah instructions on how to build the ark and such. But that were way back in the first book of the Bible, Genesis. But the whole story the maker tells in Genesis is uh, only but a few chapters. So he gave us little creators to imitate him and to create uh, music and art and machines and buildings and medicine and such. We oui. and, of course, stories. And Miss Jenny is quite his little creator, no? Aye, I'll say. And so a little bit later, we'll visit Jenny's corner and we'll find out something specific about today's chapter. Something very special to the whole book, as a matter of fact. I can't wait for that. But first, we've got a wee chapter to bring you. And Liz, you say you have something to get things started today? Oui. Okay. Hit it, monsieur. What? Oh, no, not again. Time for our daily aerobics. No. Okay. Are we ready? No, we're not ready. Five, six, seven, eight. Here we go. I don't want and to push and back and push yeah, I'm pushing. and back. Aye. Now side to side. What side to side? To the side. right. Now three, no, wait, wait. four to the left. Make two, up your three, mind four. then. Now back. Two, three, four, and front. Two, like three, this. four, and slide and slide, uh, slide. to the right, slide. to the left, and pick up those feet. Pick, I, I am. And pick up those arms, I, I, and I we're stretching and stretching what? and shimmy, shimmy, shake. And shimmy, shimmy, All right, shimmy, that's and of shimmy. That. Liz, I'm a Scotty dog, and as a Scotty dog, I don't shimmy, shimmy, shake. Oh, uh, what do you do? Well, the closest we come to that then is wagging our wee little tails. Then, well, I suppose you could lead this better then. Aye, step aside, lass, uh, Maestro. One, two, three, jump up. On your hind legs, now dance around, just dance around. Now pull on the sock, pull on the sock and shake your head, shake your head. Now fetch, fetch the ball, go get it, boy, and a boy. Now bring it back, bring Stop it back, the music. bring it back. I am a kitty. We do not fetch the ball. Uh, hey, here's a thought. Why don't I get into the chapter now? And why don't you let the flamingos run things, okay? Fine, monsieur. I. All right then. Ready? 
five, six, seven, eight, and open the book. Find your page. Keep flipping, flipping. Find your page. Now read. Read it, read it out loud. The Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud. Chapter 50, Flamingo Robics and Falling Objects. Liz awoke, stretched out long, and nudged Al with her head. Oh, wake up, dear Albert. It is time for exercise, no? Al replied with his eyes closed. I can't wait. He rolled over in his hammock and snored. Liz tried to rock him awake by nudging him again and again with her head. Nothing. Liz finally gave a huge push and Al fell out of his hammock. He shook his head, yawned, and scratched his backside. Okay, me love. I'm awake then. Bonjour, everyone up. It's time to join the flamingos for exercise. Liz called as she left the stall and wandered down the corridor. Her happy voice trailed down the stalls, encouraging the other animals to join in. Normando and Leia stood in the corridor, warming up and stretching their legs. Tip and the toucan, Rudy and Rosie, sat on the railing next to them. Bonjour, mes amis. I have looked forward to your class this morning. The birds talked it up throughout the arc last night, so I hope we get many animals to participate. Eh? Liz said, looking around at the stalls as the animals began to stir. Okay, I'll be ready, Leia said to Normando. Let's shake our bamboo coat and get going. Tippin, go tell them monkeys it's time. And your hummingbirds, go get them songbirds. Uh, monkeys? Uh, songbirds? Liz asked. We need them monkeys to give us a bit for our exercises. They will beat on wood beams and energize this place along with the hoopin' and hollerin', Normando explained. And them songbirds can make the prettiest tunes to go with the beat. You'll see now, said Leia as Rudy and Rosie flew off to get a group of nightingales, warblers, and buntings. Tippin flew down the corridor, calling for Rufus and Jovita and their monkey friends to join the flamingos. Tippin appeared to be cross-eyed, but none of the other animals brought attention to her problem. Evidently, her small black eyes were so drawn to her large yellow beak that they became crossed and locked after time. It didn't slow Tippin down, but it did cause her confusion from time to time when she flew into objects or mistook one creature for another. It didn't take long for the monkeys to make their way down the corridor. Rufus let out a big, that roused the animals throughout the stalls. Lazo the llama was none too pleased at the monkey's loud call. I said it before and I say it again. They is the most obnoxious things I ever did here. Estelle the llama was quick to remind Lazo that the monkeys were helping with Liz's anti-boredom campaign. You should be grateful for their help. Lighten up, llama. Enjoy yourself now. She gave Lazo a grin that made the grumpy llama smile. Rufus, Jovita, and a group of chimpanzees and orangutans started banging on anything they found. Wood beams, railings, water jars, the floor. The songbirds landed on the railing next to them, listening to the rhythm before piping in with an upbeat melody. The steady rhythmic music got Leia to bounce her head to the beat. 
She and Normando stood in the center of the corridor as she called to the animals. Good morning to Alia. It's time for flamingo aerobics. Everyone get up and let's start stretching. Come on now, stretch with us. You can do it. Normando and Leia moved in perfect unison, slowly stretching their wings up in the air one by one. If you have a wing, an arm, or a leg, stretch it high to the sky. Duke, you just stretched that trunk now. Normando said when he saw Duke the elephant looking confused as he tried to lift his leg. Duke lifted high his trunk, stretching it to reach the ceiling beam in his stall. His wife followed right along. Hey, this actually feels good, the large elephant exclaimed with a grin. Now roll your head around to get the neck loose, Leia continued. The monkeys were having a ball, beating their drums, and they rolled their heads right along with their instructors. The birds sang at the top of their lungs, and energy buzzed throughout the corridor. Liz walked along the stalls, watching to see which animals were joining in. Murray and Myra the moose, Mel and Ethel the bears, and Bogart and Bev the beavers, all moved together in the front of their stall. Rodney and Hazel, the skunks, stayed behind them, moving, uh, but careful not to uh, fire. Okay, now we're going to take it down the road. Pick them legs up, right, left, right, left. You can do it. Good, that's the way, encouraged Leia as she moved her legs up and down like squashing the slimy mud in the pond. As Duke lifted his heavy legs up and down, the ark moved slightly under his shifting weight. Liz laughed to herself, meanwhile calculating how much movement the two elephants could make on the ark. She figured no harm would come and decided not to worry with it. Iggy and Zula, the zebras, were into the rhythm, moving their striped bodies back and forth in time with the beat. Jafaru and Sasha, the lions, marched in place, while Jafaru swished his tail in tempo. He liked the beat. Upendo the giraffe told Chipo, I don't think my neck will stretch any further. Hippos, rhinos, tigers, penguins, antelopes, rats, ducks, ostriches, hyenas, creatures of all kinds were enjoying this movement. Even the bugs were getting into it. The lightning bugs flashed their tails on and off with the music. Liz looked up and her smile grew widest when she saw the least likely creature there exercising. Al shook his belly back and forth and put his front paws into the air. Max and Kate stood by Al, moving and twirling as they followed the flamingos. Oh, El Bell, it's wonderful to see you enjoying the exercise, Liz said as she joined Al and the others. I am a bit surprised myself, lass. All that eating I keep doing is catching up with me. I could stand to lose a few pounds. But ye still are the littlest lass. Ye could stand to gain a few pounds, Al said, leaning over to peck Liz on the cheek. Liz smiled and said, Perhaps I could eat a little more, but for now I will, as they say in Trinidad, uh, shake my bamboo coat <laughs> with my noble, famous warrior. Al smiled and held her paw as they moved into an aerobic dance. Normando called out the next move. Okay now, reach for that fire cloud. 
baguette napanyatos, or whatever you got. Another grand idea, lass. Look at the ark. All the beasties are having a wonderful time. Looks like those koalas are the only ones asleep then. And the wolves aren't joining in. Good thing, Max said, as he and Kate looked to see the wolves sitting still in the back of the class, watching. Aye, even Henriette is into this, Kate exclaimed, wagging her tail. The animal friends looked over to see Henriette with her wings out to her sides, kicking her tiny drumstick legs up and back, closing her eyes as she got into the rhythm. Jacques was even enjoying himself. The seagulls landed next to the group, and Crinan started laughing his head off when he saw the fat hen doing flamingo aerobics. <laughs> no, that's not a sight you want to see very often. <laughs> Liz wrinkled her brow. Come now, Crinan, perhaps Henriette will lose a few pounds and not be so grumpy, no? Besides, get used to it. Looks like Flamingo Robix is here to stay. Liz laughed inside. Henriette was indeed a funny sight to behold. Shem, Japheth, and Ham were pulling 50-pound sacks of grain from the storage room and stacking them to the side of the ledge that overlooked the floors below before they got distracted watching the animals. They looked at each other in amazement. Do you think... No, the animals couldn't be doing all this moving together, could they? Ham asked. Shem laughed at the monkeys. <laughs> it does look like they're doing something together. As long as a few small creatures are the only ones out of their stalls, there's nothing to worry about. But it seems rather organized, if you ask me, Japheth remarked, curious as he watched the flamingos. All the animals are mimicking the pink flamingos. Noah walked up behind them. Nature has a way of knowing what it needs. These creatures have been cooped up and know they need to move, so that's what they're doing. And they're having a marvelous time. Let them enjoy, he said, smiling as he turned to walk back to draw on his tablets. I think we could learn a thing or two from them. The brothers turned and followed their father, not realizing that they had left the grain sacks a little too close to the edge. The wolves left the class as flamingo aerobics came to a close. The animals were cooling down with slow stretches, and the monkeys stopped their banging, leaving only the birds chirping soothing tunes for the animals. Leia and Normando led the animals in deep breaths with eyes closed. Okay, now, that's it. Good job, everyone. We'll see you all tomorrow, Leia exclaimed, as the animals applauded with agreement. It was a great first day of exercise. Yes, Liz's idea was a tremendous success. Energized, Max thought he would go see Shem to see how he was doing. He tried to check in on this human from time to time, giving him comfort and just being a friend. He picked up his reed and was passing the wading pool when he saw the ripple on the water and paused. Charlie appeared. Did you enjoy your workout? he asked. Max dropped the reed at his feet. Aye, t'was a good stretch it were. And did you join in then? Charlie smirked. Not a whole lot for me to lift and stretch. <laughs> so, are you going to join me in the water today? Uh, I'm on my way up to see Shem, 
Max replied, still uncertain about getting in the water. Only for a minute. It will feel good after your workout. Come on, Max. The water feels fine, Charlie insisted. Max hesitated. Maybe later, Charlie. It's really a kind offer. He picked up his reed and turned to go. Suddenly, a grain sack on the ledge above shifted and was falling over the right side toward Max. Charlie looked up with alarm and shouted, Max, get out of the way, as he shoved Max clear of the falling sack. Max quickly moved out of the way and was narrowly missed, but the sack landed squarely on the end of Charlie's tail, causing him to scream out in pain. Charlie, are you all right? Max yelled as he pushed against the sack. It was too heavy and wouldn't budge. The animals nearby looked in their direction and saw the snake squirming furiously to get free. Max looked for a larger animal to help. Someone get Duke or, or Don Pedro. I need some help getting the sack off his tail. Some of the animals ran to get help while Max continued pushing against the heavy sack. Ah, Max, help me. Ah, it hurts. Help me, Max, Charlie cried in anguish. Max, feeling helpless, spun around in circles and put his shoulder to the sack again. He looked up, but there was no Duke or Don Pedro. Then he saw his reed. If you can stop a log to cross the river, you can lift a fifty-pound grain sack. He picked up the reed and put the end under the grain sack. Miraculously, the sack became light as a feather. Max was able to lift the sack off Charlie's tail without effort. Duke and Don Pedro rushed up, along with the other animals, and they stood in amazement of the reed. They looked at the reed, and then at Max. A secret was out. Max had been given special powers through the reed. Ada and her three daughters-in-law looked over the rail at the commotion below and saw the animals gathered around the fallen grain sack. Now what would we do if any of these animals should get hurt or worse, die on our watch? Nala said. I agree. We can't have any more accidents like this. I'll have Noah enclose this part under the rail, Ada answered. Okay, citizens, go back to your lives, Duke said as the group of animals dispersed, making their way back to their stalls. Nothing more to see here. Max stayed behind with Charlie as the snake eased carefully back into the water. He made his way to the arctic side of the waterfall so he could put the end of his swollen tail in the cold, icy water. I can't thank you enough for saving me, said Max with a pained look on his face to see his friend hurt. Charlie grimaced from the shooting pain. Right place, right time. I'll ever be grateful to you, Charlie. You saved me life, Max insisted. Charlie smiled, but then turned serious. I just hope I'm there the next time they try. Max cocked his head to the side. Next time? What are you talking about, Charlie? I can't be sure, but I think I saw movement right before that sack came flying over the ledge. I think that sack was given a shove, Charlie explained. But who would do such a thing? 
Max said, gulping at the thought of being a deliberate target. Look around, Max. Who is always sneaking around? Who is always watching? And who is it you said you don't trust? Charlie asked, looking Max right in the eye. Max's spine stiffened. His thoughts didn't need to drift very far. The wolves had it in for him. That much he knew. Charlie's train of logic made sense. A feeling of dread came over him. If the wolves were trying to harm him, they might try to hurt him any way they could, perhaps by harming that which was most precious to him. I've got to find Kate, Charlie. I need to make sure she's okay. Uh, thanks for your help, lad. I owe you for saving me life. I'll ever be grateful, Max said humbly but urgently. I'll meet up with you later. Charlie smiled. I understand, Max. Go, make sure Kate's okay. And it was an honor to save your life. I know you'd do the same for me. Max nodded, picked up his reed, and took off running back down the corridor, leaving Charlie behind. Oh, that was a crazy day, to be sure. We set us in understatement, and I were grateful for Charlie's help. But the more intriguing thing were me read. We, that read is something special, and will continue to play a special role as our story continues, no? See, reeds were pretty common sight where I grew up in Scotland, as we learned way back in the beginning of our journey, right? But how this became a, a special read, well, that goes back to our story creator again, Miss Jenny Cody. So, in today's visit to Jenny's Corner, we will find out all about... The read. Hello, Miss Jenny. Liz, what's on your brilliant mind today? We want to hear all about the read. How did you come up with that, and why did you make it special and even magical? Well, the read that Max carries in the Ark, the Read in the Fire Cloud is definitely not your ordinary read, is it? The way I came up with the idea for the read is when I was considering how did the animals receive the word to Come to me, follow the fire cloud. When the Lord spoke, what did that look like to those specific animals that were called to the ark? And as I was contemplating Max, the real Max, he would pick up reeds and sticks at the river all the time. And of course, so naturally he inspired that because I would see them in his mouth. But then it grew more to embodying how the Lord speaks through the Holy Spirit, right? And so the reed actually became symbolic of the Holy Spirit calling Max. And so not only is it a communicator, there is power in the Holy Spirit. So Max is able to do things like move the log, you know, in the in the flowing stream when he's trying to get across in Scotland to moving the seed sack to help Charlie to other great things that are coming. And so the reed is a very um, physical manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud. And I've already told you about the fire cloud represents God, right? And so you can imagine, hmm, what could the Ark represent? Well, I'll talk about that later.
Oh, that is teasing, Miss Jenny. Aye, but now you know the story of my famous reed. And the reed story continues, as we continue to read it in our next episode. <laughs> right, Monsieur Announcer? I read you, Liz. I read you loud and clear. Well, as the narrator, that is your job. Aye, so tell us what you intend to read. Loud, loud and, and clear. clear. Next time, then. Well, on our next episode, Max is still reeling from the result of the really risky read incident, while Kate helps Liz stir up more lively ways for the animals to entertain themselves. <laughs> and wait till you hear what they come up with. I'll, uh, I'll read it to you next time. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, and the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. To purchase your copy of the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud on audiobook, log on to audible.com. And for all the amazing books by Jenny L. Cody, the entire collection of the Epic Order of the Seven, log on to Jenny's website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. See you next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. Have a grand day. Au revoir, mes amis. Always remember, you are loved and you are able. <laughs>